listening to the Half Court Press podcast. Hi there, you're listening to Tuchilgin, captain of Cyprus Hockey, and you're listening to Half Court Press podcast. Hello, this is Katarina Latina, Czech international player, playing in Belgium for Praxcata, and this is a Half Court Press podcast. Hi, it's Ross Stott here from East Grinstead and ex-Scotland player. You are listening to the Half Court Press podcast. Hockey Player Profiles is the 13th season of the Half Court Press podcast. In this series, Teo McLeod chats to players from the sport of hockey about their careers, lives and experiences. Hi, my name's Ellie Rare. I'm an England, Great Britain and East Grinstead hockey player and you are listening to the Half Court Press podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Half Court Press podcast. I am quite excited about this interview. Today I am sat via a Zoom link with a Commonwealth Games, European Championship and Olympic Games bronze medal winner and player for East Grinstead, Ellie Rayer. Hello Ellie, how are you? Hi there, yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, very well, thank you. Ellie is one of the superstar players to have come back with the Great British hockey team with a bit of um, hard currency around her shoulders. We'll get onto you, you a bit more, a bit more in a second. First thing I want to talk about is the Olympic Games. How was the Olympic Games? Incredible experience for me. I think first Olympic Games to come home with a bronze medal after the cycle we've had and the results we've had and the performances we've put in. Just just amazing. Um, I think everything came together. We believed it was possible, but we'd not really been able to put the performances together. So to get out there and to do it on the biggest stage when it really mattered was was really, really huge for us. So, yeah, incredible experience. Pretty cool to say I'm an Olympian. Even cooler to say I've got an Olympic medal. But probably drives me on now to want to want to be a double Olympian and double Olympic medalist. That's the challenge now. You, you could do uh, a Laura Unsworth. Could do. I mean, could do, yeah. I, I think sure. it's incredible. Absolutely incredible what she's done. Ridiculous. Will she go for four? That's the question. I hope so. I mean, she's... The brain's there. She seems from the outside physically fit enough. Yeah. Very, I'm very lucky to play alongside her for club and country, so learn quite a lot from her, which is cool. From a media point of view, really approachable and, mm-hmm. you know, engaging. When, when I've yeah. been polite enough to chat to me a few times. We will swing back to the Olympics later on in this conversation. So stay tuned for more Olympic Tokyo 2020-21 chit-chat. <laughs> For those of our listeners who've been living in a cave and don't know who you are, can you please enlighten, enlighten us, please? My name's Ellie Rea. I say current number 13 for East Grinstead, uh, England and Great Britain women's squad. Yeah, I'm a forward, sometimes dabble in midfield a little bit. And yeah, I'm a sort of a sports mad nut who's come through and now I'm probably playing one and doing one of the coolest jobs around getting to to play hockey every day is my is my job so feeling very fortunate um yeah that's that's me the midfield forward rotation seems to be more so in hockey than most other invasion sports like football for example 
he seemed to rotate quite a bit. Laurel Unsworth was a fullback. He played midfield, similar, similarly for Leah Wilkinson. I'm a, I went to the 2014 Commonwealth Games and I, I once saw Sophie Bray end up in midfield as well, defensively mm-hmm. speaking. She's ended up in a, yeah. in, a, in a lower line. Hockey seems to be quite a sort of rotational sport, more than, more than some others, perhaps. Yeah, I think it's amazing. I think it's so good to have an understanding of how the other lines play. So you can always put yourself in their shoes and if you're in that situation, what would you want the forwards to do and how would you want them to help out? Or if you're a defender, what do you want from your midfielders and and that? So, yeah, having the ability to play in all lines is key. But also, like, the game's so fast that you just end up where you end up and, and like, if you're defending and I'm a forward and I end up having to mark someone on the back post, I need to know what I'm doing and I need the team to know that I'm capable to be there and then we can just get on and sort of defend the game and defend what's in front of us. So I think that's probably one of the reasons why the game is sort of so fluid. Episode two of this series is with Scottish international Emily Dark, who's also one of the GB youth team players. She's been explaining how she's basically played in every position apart from goalkeeper mm-hmm. yeah, during her club and international career, which which is an amazing house. Making the same point that you've made of it helps with tactical understanding of the entire game. Yeah, massively. I'm I'm still trying to persuade my club coaches to let me have a go at, at halfback, but halfback and fullback so far aren't aren't the positions I've played. I'm solidly a midfield forward. Should Maddie Hinch or Amy Tennant be worried? I, I think I think they're safe. <laughs> <laughs> can't can't see it being a goalkeeper myself, but. Um, you play for East Greenstead Hockey Club during the domestic league season. Tell us a bit more about your club, please. Yeah, I love being at EG. Um, it's a really good group of girls. Love sort of the feel about the club. Quite a family-orientated club, which is amazing. Um, we've got a, a good bunch of sort of loyal supporters who come down and give us a cheer every weekend, which is really, really nice. And like in lockdown, it was almost sad because you couldn't see the old boys and bits like that who would always be there sort of rooting for us and cheering us on. So it's been so nice for the club season to restart again um, so we can get back down on the pitch and just get out there. Um, and, yeah, I so say I'm really lucky that the group of girls there are pretty great and there's so many people from lots of different walks of life and lots of different sort of levels of experience that I can learn from and hopefully pass on some of, sort of like my skills to other people as well. It's such a huge thing, which a lot of people who don't particularly enjoy sport don't necessarily understand. It's it's a community. Massively. Yeah, completely. Both teammates, coaches, on the pitch, off the pitch, literally everyone. It's just like a big family, which is really nice. And it's a game for all of the ages as well. Yeah, I turned 35 this year. So this is the first year, year that I qualify as a veteran. Yeah. There's another guy who's involved in my club who's been playing over 85s for Scotland. Yeah, it's amazing. It's really cool. Like our EG team, we've got, I think the youngest girl in our one squad at the moment is 17. And I think the oldest in our squad is just turned 40. And we've got normally, I reckon in an average Saturday squad, two or three mums turning out with, with kids on the sideline. And it's just so amazing because there's so many people from different walks of life and different experiences and sort of like different stages of their life. And then you all come together on the pitch and it's like one common goal and you can just learn so much from each other. And it's, yeah, it's great fun. My day job is, is that of a coach. Mm. 
and one of the one of the things that I've noticed about coaching is the kids who have played it from a young age, it's almost as fluid as walking. Mm. The kids who picked it up maybe later in their school career, there's less experience, is there's less cognitive ability at that stage. It's mm. think about it more when, when they've been introduced to the sticks and so on. And so the, the parents, mums or dads, whatever, whatever side of the game you're on, there's a stick, there's a ball, there's some kids your age, go and play balls, mm. I go and have my, have my match. And it, it's going to help that, that disorganised fun play. It's going to help so much. Yeah, massively. I think I was, I was quite late to hockey, really. I started playing at school when I was about seven, but I didn't actually join a club until I'd, I'd just got to the high pack setup. So I must have been under 15. Um, so I was, I'm an age trapped one. So must have been year eight, so 13 when I joined the club and actually thought hockey could be one of my favourite sports here and I'll play it a bit more seriously. This ties in to one of my other theories that I've developed as a sports coach. You didn't just start playing sport at 13, you were also quite a decent track athlete in, in your youth, I believe. Yeah, I, I say I was a sports mad kid, like completely. The first sports I played, believe it or not, were rugby and judo. At school, literally, I played everything I could have a go at. Netball, rounders, swimming, like cricket, football, honestly, everything. But yeah, my, my main two sports growing up, or sort of from teenagers on, were athletics and hockey. And I loved, I loved both of them. I loved them for different reasons. Athletics is an individual sport. Hockey is a team sport. But I think I'd be very naive if I didn't say that I know. I think one of the reasons I've achieved what I have within hockey is because of my athletics background. I've never been the most skillful player and I've been a little bit raw and untidy, but actually I can run and I want to learn and I want to work hard. So I think what got me noticed was my speed. And then over time, I've sort of developed all the other skills and added to my tactical and technical arsenary, I guess, um, to be the player that I sort of am today and hopefully will continue to develop um, into. So looking at your player profile on the yeah. England Hockey website. Yeah. Alongside Lily Owsley, Ellie is regarded as one of the fastest players in the squad and can be often found surging past defenders on the international scene. Me and Lily always argue over who's the fastest. Presumably you're going to say it's yourself. Yeah, of course I'm going to say it's myself. Lily would say it's herself. I'll say it's myself. We've still never actually raced. We... No, haven't ever raced, but we're up there. It's good. We keep pushing each other. And to be fair, there's some new people that have joined the squad that are pretty quick too. So it's, it's all there. Keep the competitiveness alive. It's all about the bleak test result. You know, it's speed over time. Yeah. The Half Court Press is now on Patreon. Patreon is a well-known and trusted online platform that allows our fans to support the sports journalism that we create. We offer a tiered subscription plan with more content being made available to our fans who choose to spend a bit more each month. We at the Half Court Press would appreciate any and all support that you wish to contribute towards our articles, podcasts, 
and interviews. You mentioned rugby. Yeah. Have you ever gone in for a, uh, a tackle against one of your your England and Great Britain teammates, Tess Howard? I haven't. In, no, I haven't. I said I'm a couple of years older than Tess and we live too far away, so we'd never played against each other when we were little. But I say I did under sevens to under twelves and I only stopped playing when the game went to, I'd have to go to all girls. I loved it up until that point. And then for me, it was just didn't really fancy it at that time, I think the sport at that point wasn't as developed as it is now. Um, and for me at that time, I felt like me going to play girls rugby would have been effectively feeling like a drop in standard to what I'd been playing with the boys, which is probably not the case now. So had it if I was 13 again now, I don't know what I'd have done. But yeah, back then I, I then wanted to sort of pursue athletics and I was really set to love hockey. So to sort of give a bit more to that. It is a huge thing. I... I used to coach an under-14s football team. Mm. As a, quite a broad sports club. And one of the players I made, I had a captain, captaincy group of three players, one of the players mm. I made, I had one girl on the team, or a young lady, she was about 13. She was technically better than most of the other lads. Mm. And most of other lads in the league as well intelligent as you know she had common sense her mum plays back to what we were saying before her mum played to a decent level locally and she went from the age of dot she was going down to training and kicking a ball around mm. but she had yeah. that ingrained cognitive ability and the common sense and she she was athletic mm. it was getting to the point that is it's the last year that FIFA recommends mixed mixed gender sports Mm. And it's getting to the point where the boys were using testosterone as a cheat. Less mm. able, less smart players were winning yeah. all of her because it had that shot testosterone. Mm. And I watched the play for the girls' team, and it's like you're saying, the girls' team weren't as experienced. They weren't as capable. Yeah. Not, not because of their gender, but because of their exposure and opportunity to play. Mm. Or the social things of, that comes with being a female in that, in that environment. And it is a shame because next year she will, will she stay in it. Yeah, I think it's amazing though, even now, like I look back and I say that so many sports and women's sport has come on so much that I don't think that there are these differences as much now as there were sort of 10 years ago when I was making these decisions. And that's what's so nice to see that actually now across all sports, hopefully there is more of a level playing field that you don't feel like you're having to stop a sport because for that reason, if that makes sense. So, yeah, I think it's, it's amazing to see how much women's sport generally, hockey, rugby, football, cricket, netball, everything has come on. So it's so nice to see. So long may it continue, I say. Most of us think of hockey being quite an, quite an equal playing field, so to speak. I remember listening to an interview, I think it was a women in sport, like a broad BBC women in sports podcast. Mm. Yeah. Which Helen Richardson-Walsh was one of the panelists, I think, there's a cricketer, rugby player, footballer. I think Casey Stoney was mm. the was the football person. Oh, and Tracy Neville from the netball from the netball team. Mm. Yeah. And Helen Richardson Walsh was talking about how women's hockey isn't as promoted as men's. 
when she was in her prime in her mid twenties, mm. the Euro Hockey League, the domestic continental championships, yeah, was only recently being put on a par. There was no female equivalent for the Hockey India League, for example, yeah. big earner. Yeah. If you picked up from this, if you noticed a lack of equilibrium, I I think so. I think. Yeah, unfortunately, there still is, like you say, there's not a women's version of Hockey India League. The EHL at the moment for women is only the top eight teams, whereas for the men, what is it, 32 or 16? They've just done a ranking tournament and it was the top 16. So bits like that. So with East Grinstead, we were out um, in Europe last week, but we were at the B Division tournament, whereas if we were a men's team, we would be in an EHL league. So bits like that. There's obviously still disparity there, but... I do, I do believe that hockey is probably better than a lot of sports. I think, unfortunately, yeah, it's it's not perfect, and yeah, the potentially with clubs and stuff like that, you might get the men's players being paid a bit more um, than the female players. Really? But actually, as long as we keep progressing, I think we will get to a place. But I think the equilibrium compared to a lot of other sports and a lot of mainstream sports in the UK. I think that we are one of the better ones. But I say there's there's always room for improvement and we always want more. That's outrageous. Are you saying that the men's players are, are getting a bit more money than the women? Not within the centralised system, not at all, but within the club hockey system, 100%. And not, not, not necessarily, I don't know, I can't speak for other teams, but I know when you hear rumours of how much some of some players get paid, I know that... None of us females um, in the squad are getting money like that from any of our clubs. So, yeah. And it's the same job. <laughs> it's the same. In fact, the I know you're saying that it's not within the centralised system, so it's not necessarily GB hockey's fault, but the women's team have been more successful over the last five, ten yeah. years. Yeah, so it's, it's nothing to do with GB hockey, though. It's the individual clubs. So, yeah. In in all honesty, I'm fortunate enough that I play this job. I play this sport and it is my job. So I'm lucky enough that I can make a living out of it. But I don't play this sport for the money. I play it because I love it. So all these discussions, I don't go to clubs to earn loads of money. Like it's helpful and it's great if I can. But I'm there and I choose a club because I like the people. I want to play the game and I want to enjoy my weekends. Um, so for me, I, I find all the discussions about money quite hard, if I'm honest, because it's not why I do it. So, yeah. yeah I, know, I know it's a big talking point in in football when it comes down to the business end of things, but yeah, in hockey, I can't, I can't see there being much difference mm. when it comes down to, if anything, I, I don't, I've not looked at the figures. I would imagine that the women's hockey is pretty good bring in more money than the men's. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. The Half Court Press is on social media. Feel free to follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Anyway, saying on the subject of Ellie Raya. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a bit about what you do outside your sports, your hobbies, interests, your other occasional interests? Hobbies-wise, I'm Sam Sports Mad. 
So anything, whether I'm out on my bike, playing squash, paddleboarding, off for a walk, literally anything outdoors, you'll probably find me um, in my spare time. Yeah, that's probably <laughs> what I'm doing most weekends. And then at the moment, sort of midweek and alongside hockey, I'm still studying. So I'm doing a bit of a part-time PhD um, up at Loughborough at the moment. And yeah, that's that's amazing for me because it gives me such a good a good switch off and and good balance sort of in my life between training and academics and preparing for life after hockey, which is obviously quite a big thing because unfortunately I'm not going to be able to be a hockey player forever. So the fact that I can start to think about my future after it is um really good for me. What are you studying? Um, so I did an undergrad in sports technology, and now yeah I'm basically my PhD is part-time within the realms of goalkeeper helmets and face masks and just looking at sort of impact scenarios and replicating them. Um, so it's really interesting. Uh, it's um, early days though, so can't talk too much about it. Is, is that at Loughborough University, was it? Yeah, yeah, sorry, up at Loughborough. Yeah, so I, say I did my undergrad there um, from 2015 to 2019 and then I was given this opportunity, so I started doing this in October 2019. So obviously COVID and preparations for the Olympics have slightly got in the way a bit. So hence why I'm now sort of spending a chunk of time up in Loughborough um, to sort of get back on top of it again. On the back of your shirts for England GB, will you insist on having Dr. Raya above you in the shirt number? Absolutely not. It's a very <laughs> long way off. I say that's the dream and that's the goal um, to get there. But I say we've got, a, we've got a long way to go. The PhD is a long time anyway. And when you do it part time, it really is. A marathon, not a sprint. So don't get too ahead of myself. You'll be joining an, an elite club, I believe. Isn't Hannah McLeod? Yeah. As well. I think she is, yeah. Yeah, smart woman, good hockey player, great second name. <laughs> Amazing. All, all the McLeods, especially the ones with English accents, are fantastic <laughs> players. I believe that GB hockey are quite good at linking in with external interests like studying and so forth. I've heard some good reports from other players and so so on. Yeah, massively. I think we're very lucky we've got Emma Mitchell as our performance lifestyle advisor and she's so brilliant. We're so lucky to have her. And yeah, she just helps us to stay on top of it and to prepare for, for life after hockey, for life outside of sport while you're playing hockey and to have that balance and other interests. And when I say we're really encouraged to do it and it's, it's amazing to have the support and they give us so many opportunities. So, yeah, we're, we really are quite fortunate in that sense. Talking a bit more about your career, we've already spoken briefly about when you started playing hockey. Why did you start playing hockey? What got you into it? You, you had so many different interests, rugby, uh, track and field, judo. Yeah. Why, why did, how did you get involved in hockey why did you settle down on that well, I, li I literally picked up a stick because it was an after school activity and in a PE lesson and sort of yeah that was that was the curriculum at school so that was what we did and I enjoyed it but I say at that point I had so many other sports going on that it wasn't my favorite I say I then got a bit older and I was fortunate that a lot of my PE teachers were hockey players so they taught me quite well and I say I I was doing county stuff and went through the sort of the player pathway and single system and I'd gone to high pack and I literally I got back from high pack and I still wasn't playing club hockey at that point. And one of my PE teachers, 
um, her team at the weekend was short. So she literally came into form time. She said, Ellie, I've registered you um, at Maidenhead because we need some more people this weekend and gave me the details. And I went down and I never, never looked back. So yeah, that, that was why. That was what sort of got me into it. So you mentioned that your first club was Maidenhead. Yeah, yeah. How long did you play for them for? From Maidenhead until I went to Loughborough. So whatever year, however many years that was, about four or five years, I think. So yeah, loved that. Was that for your undergraduate degree? Yeah, yeah. And I then played two years at Loughborough. And then I say I joined the centralised setup in January 2017. So... When the season started then, September 2017, I wanted to be playing Prem Hockey and a bit closer to home. So I joined East Grinstead and that's that's where I am now and I'm quite happy there. So that'll be my, my club for the foreseeable, I think. Full of hockey superstars, East Grinstead. It's, <laughs> it's a long list of, of good names, isn't it? Yeah. I say it's, it's a great setup and for me as someone like, I adore indoor. Um, I think indoor's great. And for me personally, it massively helps develop my game. It makes me do things that I probably don't naturally want to do. And it makes me wake my hands up and not just chuck and run because you can't in indoor and bits like that. So the fact that there's such a good indoor setup there as well for me is, yeah, love it. We'll be chatting more about domestic hockey, club hockey, indoor hockey later on in this episode. Let's chat a bit more, as promised, about the Olympic Games. Yeah. Any good stories? <laughs> Plenty of good stories, but I don't think I could share them. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, just just amazing. Um, the experience, sort of everything you'd imagined, and even with COVID going on, sort of everything I imagined it to be, it was. And I say my, my overwhelming feeling is that was incredible and fortunate to do that, but it makes me want to do it again. And that, that excites me. But yeah. It was amazing. The Japanese were lovely. They were welcoming. They were friendly. I'd love to go back and actually explore Tokyo properly because um, I think it's always going to be quite a special place to me now. So, yeah, I'd love to go back. Maybe a slightly cooler time of year. <laughs> it was quite hot. There were some great images on the TV of Sarah Jones just stood next to the fan with a wet towel. She seemed to be hogging <laughs> that yeah. of kit. Yeah. No, it was amazing, I say. Warm. The ice towels we need to have off were a relief. At half time, we'd often have electrolyte ice lollies to cool you down and sort of help replace some of your salts. And they were always welcome. But yeah, I say it was part of it. It was the same for every team with the heat. Yeah, I think if I could choose, I'd go back at a slightly cooler time of year. Top three moments? Top three. Winning the bronze medal has to be up there. Um, that's probably my favourite. I think just that day was incredible. Obviously, we played in the morning. We played at 10.30, so it was hot. The final wasn't until 7.30 that night. So actually, we we got to go home. We got to shower. We got to eat lunch together. We got to celebrate. We got to pop some champagne that we've been given by Team GB. We literally got to sort of soak up everything. And then we got to go back, watch the game, and then put our <laughs> ceremony wear on and go and get a medal. So that was really special. So that was a good moment for sure. I think on an individual term, as a forward, the South Africa game for me was an amazing game. I think to score in the Olympics feels incredible. And yeah, to say to score two that game 
was mental and just as a forward I think that gave me so much belief going forward and for the rest of the tournament I just had more confidence and just back myself even more and I think I can attribute that to the South Africa game so that for me will will be special as well and my third moment probably a tricky one I don't know what I'd say for my third moment probably something off the pitch just when I think back like so many of the times that we spend together and the things that you remember, the things that no one else will see, like the discussions we have in the changing room, the chats, the singing on the bus, like things like that, that no one else knows. And it's sort of our little secrets and what goes on within that when I look back on my career and even when I look back now, they're the things that you remember more so than the matches. It's the being with your team. So that's probably a generic <laughs> Third is all the things that just come to come to mind when you think about your team and your time out there and the little things that we know go on that no one else knows. One of the things that comes up time and time again when footballers retire, they say what they miss most about sports, aside from scoring a goal and having the fans on, on your side and so mm. forth, is the change room, is the banter. Yeah. I think for us, it's just camaraderie, I say. Just being together and bits like that. Like, we spend a lot of time together, but you wouldn't change it for the world. Like, yeah, those those are the good times that I think you probably take for granted in your career. But I say very aware that they are great. The Half Court Press is a multi-sports media outlet. You can check out our articles, opinion pieces and PDF magazines on our website www.halfcourtpressmagazine.com You have played in a number of tournaments. Yeah. Let's think. You've played at a home World Cup in London. Yeah. I think the first time actually that you came up on my radar was at that tournament. Yeah. In front of 10,000 spectators. Yeah, that was pretty cool, wasn't it? You have you've won a bronze medal at the Euro Hockey Championships in Antwerp in Holland. Yeah, 2017. You have won a bronze medal at the Commonwealth Games on the Gold Coast of Australia. Yeah. And we've spoken already about the recent Olympic Games. How does the Olympic Games compare to all these other tournaments? I think they're always always going to be special. Like the Europeans in 2017, that was my first ever senior tournament. So that was incredible in itself to play in Holland and obviously how much hockey means out there was such, just feel so special that that was my first tournament. I think the Commonwealth Games was my first experience of a multi-sports event. And yeah, incredible. And then, yeah, the Olympics as, as a sports mad kid, I've grown up watching the Olympics, wanting to be an Olympian. I didn't know when I was younger, I wanted to, play hockey at the Olympics but I knew that I wanted to be there for a sport so that in that sense is so special because I say that is the that's like a lifelong dream like my earliest memory is watching well I've got two early sporting memories and one of them was watching England win the World Cup rugby in 2003 they won it on my seventh birthday so that one I remember and then after that it's 2004 and it's watching Kelly Holmes cross the line and sort of her face when she won and the 
the shock, the delight, the admiration, the modesty, all of that, I literally, I just remember it. And from those moments or from that Olympic moment there was like, I want to try and do that. So for me, the Olympics is, is the pinnacle because that's what I've grown up dreaming of trying to replicate and trying to become an Olympian and yeah. As amateurs, we always like to kid ourselves that we can still make it at the top level. <laughs> I'm 35. I was in college when they won the Rugby World Cup. Yeah, I, I think my time's gone. <laughs> <laughs> so you've touched briefly on what, what the successes in your career might have been. Mm-hmm. Would you like to add anything to, to this? What have been the other successes in your career? I think, well, massively actually getting to represent my country. My first cats for England out in Selenbosch. Well, we were in Cape Town, but we stayed in Selenbosch. And for GB out in Argentina, that's something that I think will always be special. But to me, every time you pull the shirt on, you never know it could be the last time you pull the shirt on. So you have to embrace every moment and every opportunity that you get. So that's probably probably huge and for me this cycle has been amazing like to say I've got three bronze medals and senior international hockey on a major stage um is incredible but three bronze I want to I want to win some other medals that aren't bronze let's say so it drives me on and spurs me on to to this next cycle to hopefully do all I can to try and help the team achieve that World Cup World Cup is next I believe yeah World Cup next summer and the next summer so it'll be a busy one, but yeah. A homecoming of games in Birmingham. Yeah. Your tickets now. Yeah, good plug there. Get your tickets, come and support. India have dropped out. I'm really sad about that because, well, particularly on the men's side, another really exciting team to watch, but the women looked good at the Olympics as well. Yeah, massively. I think I can understand the decision potentially with their Asian games and obviously that's how they want to then qualify for Paris. But yeah, I say we'll we'll just go there and hopefully we can try and do something we've not done before. That's the plan. Yeah, I'm gonna say it. I don't believe their reason. I don't believe their public reasoning. As in preparation for a major continental championship and qualifying event, why would you not want to play against some of the best teams in the world, including England, Australia? I don't get that. I don't. I don't think that's the real reason. Send your comments to Half Court Press podcast. Yeah, no, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's something else going on there that we've not been made aware of. And if it was the reason, why not send your youth team? Why not send the under twenty ones for better experience? They... No comment. <laughs> what have been the challenges in your career? Probably the same as most people have experienced at some point. Injury. I've had a couple of nasty injuries. Deselection. I've not been selected a couple of times. Yeah, nothing groundbreaking different to probably most people. But I'm very much I'm a positive person. So whenever I have had a setback, be it an injury or not being selected, I've tried to look for the positive and to find how I can make the situation the best it can be. And And I honestly think that I wouldn't be the player I am today if I hadn't have had a couple of setbacks along the way because the good times are great, but you learn a hell of a lot more in the bad times or the hard times. So 
yeah, for me, probably part of it. We play a sport, you're going to get injured. Um, I say I broke my nose out in Tokyo. That's a prime example of it. Um, you just got to make the best out of the situation and crack on, really. So, Surely as a top-notch hockey player, broken nose is a badge of honour. Yeah, I didn't really get that good a black eye, though. So I thought, I thought I'd get two black eyes. No, I got like one half black eye. So a wonky nose and one half black eye. Great. The black eye, where he's like, come on. Well, I mean, I had a broken nose. At least, at least you want it to look proper. I mean, my nose did look very wonky, but I thought I'd have more of a shiner. But hey ho. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, as a goalkeeper, I've always been a bit lucky with that. I think the, the worst I've had was a broken helmet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah no. I think my worst injury was in 2015 I ruptured my iris um, was it foot on some ward or no so just at, just at training I got a ball directly to the eye I had no trauma around the eye so nothing else no fractures or anything but I literally I say the full impact was pretty much directly on my eyeball um, when I say I ruptured my iris so that was a a touch and go one for a while, but I say my vision's all all completely fine now. So fortunate on that front. In this more enlightened time, psychologically, mm-hmm. that's still anything around the eye is scary. Anything yeah. around the edge is scary. Yeah. Part of it, we just love the game we play, don't we? That's the thing. And on bed rest, all I wanted to do was get back out on the hockey pitch. So come a bit addicted to it, don't you? I mean credit to you. I play in goal even when I played outfield I didn't, I didn't even run at short corners you know I have I'm full kit telly tubby outfit yeah I get a bit of a bruise sometimes but that's it but it's yeah you outfielders mate you you guys uh you guys are <laughs> brave uh, or stupid who knows let's go, go with brave let's go with brave. <laughs> Kate Richardson rolls playing with a, a jaw screwed together and that bronze medal playoff 10 years ago. So, hockey players are made of tough stuff. Yeah. The Half Court Press is on social media. Feel free to follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. This leads on to the next batch of questions. What have been the major experiences in your career that have improved your outlook towards sports? I suppose you've touched on it, sort of. Yeah, I think for me, it's setbacks and I think you learn from them. So everything, there's an opportunity in everything. I think that's something I've learned from sport, whether it's to play for your country, whether it's you've got injured and there's an opportunity to make something that was a weakness a strength whether it's the opportunity to travel, whether it's the opportunity to meet new people, to network, to prepare for life after hockey. Like, for me, I think one of the biggest things I've learned is that say yes, like, have a go. Embrace every opportunity because you don't know what doors it's going to open or if you're going to enjoy something or how it could help shape you in the future or how it could just put a smile on your face. So that's probably one of my biggest experiences that I've learned from sport is, yeah, embrace every opportunity that's given to you. A positive, open-minded approach to sports. Exactly. And you've also answered the next question. 
Oh, I'm good at this. You're on fire tonight. We can sell through. Is there anything particularly important to you in sports, uh, youth development, demographic participation, anything like this? I think I think everything should be a level playing field. And unfortunately, at the moment, I know that's not always the case, but I think the fight for equality and to give everyone, I say I talked about opportunities a second ago, the fight that everyone should be given and should be entitled to the same opportunities, I think is key. And I think that's something that we need to keep working on as a sport and as a, as a GB women's squad. That's something we, we passionately believe in. And over sort of this past year, we've tried to educate ourselves and improve our awareness on sort of equality and inclusion and diversity and and all aspects like that to try and make this sport a better sport for everyone. It's definitely something that is is on our radars and something that we want to improve. But like we say, we know we know the work's not going to happen overnight. But if we can if we can be a small part in that positive change, that that's amazing. Like to think that you could have an effect and you could help someone else fall in love with the game is is really quite inspiring. Because um, ultimately, once upon a time, I was a young girl who fell in love with the game, watching role models, and and I was given the opportunities to play. So yeah. I'd love everyone to be given sort of the same chances that I was. Um, and I know it's easier said than done. However, that's what we're pushing for. Is there any particular aspect where, where you think more could be done in order to, to provide more opportunities to play? I think for me at the moment, like, obviously we've, we've got a bit of a break from the centralised programme off the back of Tokyo. And for me, I'm trying to go into as many schools as possible going to schools and to speak to kids and to have hockey sessions and literally just to to engage and inspire and I go into these schools and recently I've been trying to get into lots more state schools which has been really really great and actually I'm I'm not naive I I know not everyone is going to love hockey so my message when I go into these schools is just to find something you love and pursue it great if it is hockey because yeah I think hockey's great and you want people playing hockey but I know that's not always going to be the case. So for me, sort of at the moment, yeah, going to schools has, has been a really good opportunity and something I've really, really enjoyed doing. I saw some great pictures coming off your Twitter feed recently. Yeah. Claire's Court Sports, Under Nine's hockey team. Let's have a look. Home Grange School. Yeah. Yeah, so I went, to be fair, so that was, Claire's Court was my old school. Um, and Home Grange, so one of my first PE teachers, she now teaches at Home Grange, so they were one I went to, but I said I've been to some schools in Loughborough, I've been to some schools in East Grinstead. I'm going to go to some more schools, sort of come November time, sort of back Windsor, Maidenhead way. So yeah, it's been amazing just to sort of get out and, and go into other schools and clubs and stuff like that. Do you take your, take your bit of uh, hardware with you? I do, the medal comes with me. I've had to, had to Google how do you clean a medal, because... I've passed it around a fair bit and I um I did a speaking engagement at Loughborough the other night with um Holly Bradshaw the pole vaulter and her medal was way shinier than mine so I said right I need to up my game here and I need to give it a good clean so it's now been cleaned it's now looking shinier and it's now ready to be handed around again. So there's some competition within the Team GB Olympics set up there's a there's a who's got the shiniest medal? Mm, I wouldn't say that but my medal did feel a little bit grubby, let's say. Well, I keep it tipped up. 
as we begin to wind up the final stretch, this is basically a lot of questions that I want to put to professional hockey players, elite hockey players, gauge their opinion. What is the difference between club hockey, domestic hockey and international hockey? I'd like to say there's not too much of a difference. I think at the moment there obviously still is. I think it's the levels of professionalism. Unfortunately, in the UK at the moment, our club system is great in terms of we all play because we enjoy playing and we love it, but it's completely amateur, really. So that's one of the biggest differences. Like when I'm playing for my country, I'm training multiple times a week. When I'm playing for club at the moment, I'm training once a week. So that's probably one of the biggest differences. And then I think off the back of that, then it's just sort of the intensity of the game. Um, International hockey, obviously, with the rolling subs, we sub on like, go, go, go. Club hockey, I don't think we quite do that. Um, So the intensity is probably slightly different. But I say, I love club hockey. It's how I fell in love with the game, really. And it's (laughs) my enjoyment every Saturday. So for me, playing club hockey, I love just as much as when I get the opportunity to pull on the England or Great Britain shirt. In the Jill Bone interview, she was telling me that she she prefers the 16 squads, mm. smaller size squads, because you, you actually get more game time. You get to yeah. you properly open the taps and get into the game rather than the you know, five minutes and you're off. Yeah. Yeah, potentially, I think. Normally, when you're playing internationally, if you're playing a 16 or 18, you're normally going to play five forwards and as a forward. So it doesn't really change for me. Club hockey, yeah, it could change potentially. But I said I've never, I've never really thought of it or noticed that, if I'm honest. How do we improve club hockey, especially in the UK? Oh, how do we improve it? Um, I think it's, it comes to the sort of levels of professionalism. We're only going to get better if we train more. But then that's a commitment. That's a, unfortunately, unlike some countries in the world, we, most clubs have one hockey pitch, maybe two at a push. So you can't have everyone training four times a week because we just don't have the pitch access at the moment. So I think it's going to come from there. I think the investment to improve it. But for me, yeah, I'm not really sure how to answer that, if I'm honest. I went down to cover the Super Sixes, the indoor finals at the start of 2020. Yeah. It was it was great. It was fun. I love indoor hockey. Mm-hmm. It's a great spectacle. There's some really good players there. Sally Walton, Sam Quick, Ari Smith mm-hmm. there. Yeah. A lot of really good club players as well. Unfortunately, a lot of the GB players were out in Australia getting rained on. Yeah, that was me. Yeah, I would have loved to have been there at the finals with EG. But I say it's the international calendar is very, very busy. And with Pro League, it's got even busier. So it's just how can we accommodate? So you've got your your internationals able to participate in as much club hockey as possible. Because ultimately, I think that does help drive the standard when you have sort of those people playing in the league regularly. Has that taken away from the league structure, the domestic game? The Pro League? The heavy international calendar I think this is something that is being worked on at the moment um, and has improved massively so that actually last season I know Covid struck but last season we were going to be available for every single game and again this season the hope is that your international players will be available for every single club game 
which I think is huge and and it's so nice and there's definitely from where I'm sat there's definitely more of a awareness and relationship being forged with the clubs in the international centralized system I believe the Central Europeans were kicking off I think that didn't the Germans send the a youth team off to a pro league match potentially I'm I'm unsure at least the German men's team I think they sent like the under 23s or something along because oh, I know. I know that um, when the Germans went out to Australia, all their players that were involved in the German playoffs stayed to play for their clubs and didn't go out to Germany. So they were, yeah, five or so, so players I think that didn't travel out. But I then think, yeah, if you're there, you've then given opportunities for other people, and that's five spaces that other people have had an opportunity and exposure to, and yeah, take your opportunity and try and do something special. What's your opinion on the centralised programme? How comfortable are you talking about the pros and, and the cons to it? Uh, I'm all right. I think you're grilling me with questions here. They're good. <laughs> um, I say, I, I go into schools and I say how I'm fortunate that my job is to be a hockey player and that I'm lucky that I get to pretty much go to the office slash the Astro every day and work to be a better hockey player um, and to represent my country, represent my country in... Olympic Games and major tournaments and for me that's a dream and the centralised system makes that possible. I think I'm too young really to understand sort of the the effects of when it started and obviously all players sort of moving down to the southeast. I know that when you look at our Premier League now obviously the teams are getting more southern and that's probably not a good thing for club hockey and hockey up north or hockey all the way down west country and places like that um so I'm, I'm conscious of that but yeah for me I, I can't lie I, I preach it when I go into schools that my job is to be a hockey player and I'm incredibly fortunate and the national lottery and the system we have at the moment allows me to do that so for me I'm I'm living the dream really like <laughs> I know there are definitely pros to it and I know there are definitely cons to it but for me I'm I'm yeah it's helped you be who you want to be yeah massively and I say, I know there's, I know it's probably, it's not the ideal system for some and for others it's perfect. But for me, I'm, I'm happy with where I am and how it's helped me. It's just now my responsibility and the role I'm in now. And as a squad, one of our visions is to inspire the future, is that we still have to make sure that even if we're a centralised squad, we do get out and we can try and inspire everyone across the whole country and not just those in the pockets that, are at our clubs or near where we live and bits like that um so yeah one question that i've been putting to people is the temporary pitch that was at the stoop the the harlequins stadium we're, yeah. we're taking we've put up a, a temporary astro for hockey at professional sports stadiums yeah so i've been at rugby stadium in west london could we do that say at a football club in the north of England, yeah. or a rugby club in Wales, yeah, or, or the equivalent in in Scotland. Yeah. Well, first of all, I say I was unfortunately I was injured at that time, so there was there was no chance that I was ever going to play, let alone with selection. So I I hope it comes up again, and I do get the chance to play potentially in the stoop or wherever it may be. I think doing it in the stoop, we've proved it's possible, and England GB hockey proved it's possible. So it's now if you can get other clubs on board and that. I don't know what it does to the grass and the state below and whether people are going to want us, but I'm all for 
if it can't be pro league or it can't be big matches, I'm all for friendlies and traveling around the country to try and engage and inspire other areas that probably don't have the exposure or aren't used to sort of the GB teams playing there. So yeah, I'm all for it. The Half Court Press is now on Patreon. Patreon is a well-known and trusted online platform that allows our fans to support the sports journalism that we create. We offer a tiered subscription plan with more content being made available to our fans who choose to spend a bit more each month. We at the Half Court Press would appreciate any and all support that you wish to contribute towards our articles, podcasts, and interviews. Pro League. I like watching the matches. I like watching hockey. Mm-hmm. What's it like to play? <coughs> it's cool. I say one of the, the perks of this job is that we get to travel around the world to play the sport we love, which is really, really cool. I think the system is exciting. I think the only thing that as players I'm conscious of is that Olympics, World Cup, Europeans, their tournaments, Pro League has replaced effectively tournament hockey. So we're now there playing one-off matches and yet one-off matches mean a lot in terms of you get to a quarterfinal at a tournament and you have to win that one game. But how you prepare and how you get your body used to the tournament environment, I think is is different. So that's probably my only my only con to pro league that we miss out on tournament hockey. I say for me, I sound like a broken record any feeling moment and you can't take it for granted. So every opportunity is, is really special. You've mentioned indoor hockey before, how you've enjoyed playing with East Grinstead, probably the most successful indoor hockey team in the country. Mm. Not probably, I think that's statistically proven. But for the men, I think I think the women, we've got a long way to go. You've got the likes of Slough and Bowden, who I think are well ahead of us still at the moment, but we can dream, we can try and get there. Have you played much hockey fives? No, no. Um, in all honesty, it's not something I've ever played. I'd like to have a go at it. I think 11-side hockey is amazing. <laughs> I'm not sure we need fives to replace it. We've already got the indoor format, so... The indoor format is a short format, so I don't know. I I understand how it's trying to get smaller nations to play the game, and I think that's incredible and amazing. But I'm I'm yet to play it, so I'm yet to form <laughs> proper opinions on it, if I'm honest. Who have been the best players that you've played with? Played with? Cool. Unfortunate. I've I've not played with too many international players, as in like overseas international players. Anyone, anyone that you've yeah. Played. So all my responses are going to be, and this bit will be British people. I imagine. I think for me joining the squad, I'd always looked up to Alex Danson. I'd always looked up to her. She was a role model to me. Um, so for then her to become my teammate was pretty special. And how she could change a game. Probably is, class, isn't she? Yeah, it was just inspiring. And yeah, so Alex is probably one of the best I've learned, played with and I've also learned an awful lot from. Yeah, she's got to be up there as one of the best uh, that I've played with, for sure. Also, 
the person in one of the best hockey images I've ever seen. Yeah, it's a cool picture, isn't it? Looking at the ball, you know, horizontal. Yeah. It's um, a cool picture. Which is a great conversation for a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think I'm fortunate, I say. I'm surrounded by a squad of well, pretty great hockey players and there's probably skills and attributes from every single one of them that I'd like to learn off and that I can improve and work towards. If each day I can go into training, I can pick someone's brain and try and learn a little bit from them. That's going to help me ultimately improve my game and do my bit for the team. Who's been the best player that you've played against? I think, obviously, there's a fair few of the Dutch players that are class. Like, I could probably reel off half the Dutch team um, at the moment. They've got some phenomenal players in there. And potentially players that I don't know if you'd always give them the... They're probably not the names that you talk about the whole time. Like I think Zandervaard in the middle of the pitch, I think she's ridiculously good. She's class. I think when we play Spain, I think Gigi just bosses it. She's outrageous. I think when we play New Zealand, Stacey Mickelson is incredible. The thing, the thing with Stacey Mickelson, she, she seems borderline world-class on almost every line of the pitch. She seems to be a very big yeah. player in defence and midfield or attack. Yeah. I think that's what's amazing. Like, I've just said three players' names. And and then I said, let's say I said Alex's name before. So I said four players. And they all play completely differently. They play completely different positions. And still, they are so, so special. So... Yeah, it's it's cool that there's definitely some pretty pretty great hockey players around at the moment. So it's an honour to have sort of played against them. The previous season to this for this podcast was Hockey Dream Team. Mm-hmm. I've got a male player and a female player to pick a six-a-side team and then have a combined mixed gender team. Yeah. Gigi Oliva and Stacey Nicholson came up time and time again. Yeah. Good players. <laughs> so yeah. they yeah. consistent like consistent good players can change a game can make things happen but also when when you come across them and you come up against them seem like genuinely really nice people as well um <laughs> which is always what you what you like I like to see and and yeah who have been the best coaches that you've worked with I think I mean massively one of my first coaches she inspired me massively so smithy jane smith she inspired me massively and I don't know if she realises quite the impact she had on me and on my game and on what I've gone on to, to achieve. So that was pretty great. And yeah, the current coaching setup has been great. I think Katie Glynn coming into our team, she's been such a good addition, especially for us as forwards, the confidence she's helped to give us and sort of the belief in technical work for me has, has been massive. Um, and it's definitely helped me to improve my game. Is it a bit nervous, nerve-wracking about when there's a change in coaching stuff? I mean, on a scale, how, it's, how exciting is it when a new coach comes in? How nerve-wracking is it? It's always exciting. It's always nerve-wracking. There's a bit of everything. There's a bit of trepidation. There's a bit of, you don't know how this new coach is going to want to play and how whether you're going to fit his style and or her style and bits like that. So that's always one that you, you're not sure what to expect. You need to adjust to it. You need to sort of, yeah, figure out how you stand. You want to prove yourself, but at the same time, it's a team sport. So you need to sort of keep doing the things for the team and not as an individual. 
yeah, it's a funny one. It, it just takes a bit of settling into and adjusting and getting used to, but actually a new coach coming in and a new sort of fresh perspective can be really cool as well. Yeah, I think a new coach is, is good, but you want them there for a couple of years because of like stability and it is, I say, a settling and adjustment for them and for you as playing group. So, yeah. I thought there were some great strides forward under Mark Hager. Yeah. Yeah, agreed massively. I think, I think I say, it's just, we just settle in, we adjust. We obviously had a fair few changes in coaching staff during the last cycle. So it's just that adjustment and that settling in phase. And then, yeah, I think what we started to do out in Tokyo was, was, yeah, it all coming together. So that was really, really exciting. So obviously we've, Mark's gone back home, which we all completely understand, but we've got Katie and Ralphie still. We'll have a new assistant coaching at some point. And yeah, there's there's a core there that hopefully we'll we'll keep building on what we what we did out in Tokyo and let's see what we can do. And that's quite a positive note to end on. <laughs> <laughs> that's a nice little thing there, isn't it? I'll I'll say thank you very much at this point, Ellie Raya. No worries, thank you for having me. Grilled me with some difficult questions. <laughs> Said no comment a few times. <laughs> This has been a Half Court Press production by Teo McLeod. If you have enjoyed this show, please leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts and Facebook.